All right, let's pray together, and then we're going to jump in the text. God of all grace, we do thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Word, which is living and active and able to, to pierce, to cut to the deepest parts of our hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask today that you would indeed cut us deep. That you would use the mighty Word of God to speak to our hearts. For those who do not know Jesus, I pray they would cry out to Jesus for salvation today by the work of your Spirit in conjunction with your Word. And for those who know Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take this this text and make us look more like Jesus today. Lord, help us all now, please. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Romans chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 9 today and go for a ways. I don't know what that means exactly. Neither do you. So wherever we end, we'll be exactly where I wanted to end. Let me remind you quickly, last week we were in the beginning of chapter 3 of Romans. And Paul had asked the question, what advantage has the Jew? Because in chapter 2, he had just said that circumcision really didn't do them any good. And that the fact that they had the Old Testament, that they had the law, that really didn't help them either when it comes to salvation. So then he started in this next section, which is chapter 3 for us, he said, so what advantage is there to be a Jew? And then he surprised us was saying much in every way, and then he honed in on the fact that they had the oracles of God. They had the Old Testament in particular. And then he moved to start to ask the question of, well, but if, if they were given the oracles of God, they were given the very word of God, but they were unfaithful, does that mean God is unfaithful? And the answer is absolutely not. God is always faithful, even when we are faithless. He then continued on to explain that there might be some who tend to think then, well, if if what God uses is our unrighteousness and our sin to to glorify himself and show his righteousness, well, well, then I guess our sin would actually be a good thing because it shows, it magnifies the glory of God. So this, again, is like if you go to a jewelry store and you go to look at a diamond or look at a nice stone of some sort, and you go, and they will put, especially the diamonds, on some form of black pillow, so that way the diamond will do what? It'll sparkle, it'll magnify. And so the thought is, well, then our sin does the same thing, so really, it's actually a good thing if we sin. That was the thinking. And we tied this to how sometimes we as Christians can fall into thinking a little bit in the same way. Well, since God has forgiven my past sins, my present sins, and my future sins, then I can just do whatever I want. And the world watches us and says, oh, it must be nice to be a Christian because you have a license to sin. You can treat people like dirt and then just ask for forgiveness later. And what Paul 
ended with is, if you think that way, your condemnation is just. Because that is not at all an understanding of the forgiveness of God. Instead of this idea that we can just do whatever we want and get forgiven, it's the fact that God would love us so much to save us that we want to obey Him, we want to follow His oracles and His word. And that's where we ended last week, so let's read the text. I'm going to read out loud. You can follow along silently, starting in verse 9, and we will see what God has for us today. Starting in verse 9, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. As we were reading that passage, you may have said, whoa. But surely this, this, this pertains to other people. This doesn't apply to us. My mom always told me I'm special. But if you'll remember, at the end of, of chapter 1, you see on your notes there, at the end of chapter 1, we got, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul seemed to just hit everybody. Everybody was under the wrath of God, and he lists off a whole bunch of sins that definitely we all fall under that. And then in the chapter 2, kind of honed in a little bit more on those who think they're morally better than everybody else. At the end of chapter 2, he honed in on the Jewish people. Chapter 3 started to go back to everybody, and now we're going to see that he's talking about everybody again. This pattern Paul does, starting wide, going narrow, back to wide. Just in case you think you don't apply here, you do. I'm going to start with a question for you. Here's the question. I really want you to listen to this, and I really want you to answer this question because I can tell you pretty much with certainty how you answer this question in your mind will tell you whether you know Jesus or not. Okay? How you answer this question in your mind will reveal to you something about whether you truly know Jesus or not. I think. I hope. Here's the question. Don't answer out loud. This is for you. A bomb drops on this church right now. Boom, we're all wiped out. We go to the gates of heaven. I don't think it really works this way, but we're just going to go here. We go to the gates of heaven. And we all stand before God, and he says, why do you get to come in? Don't answer. Think carefully. God says, why do you think you get to come in? We're all dead. Our spirits go there at the gate. Why do you think you get to come in? Think for a second. Now let's work through the text. 
Romans chapter 9, or chapter 3, starting in verse 9. What then? Are the Jews any better off? What do you mean, Paul? Well, you just were talking about the fact that they have the oracles of God. They're blessed in many ways. Are the Jews better off than the Gentiles when it comes to salvation? Do they have it better when it comes to salvation and justification? Here's Paul's answer. No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. When he says Jews and Greeks, that covers everybody. Does that cover you? Are you under sin? Apart from Christ, are you under sin? Yes? Okay. As it is written, now what he's going to do here, he's going to quote at least seven Old Testament passages that are listed in your notes of where he took them from. And he's going to really drive home the point for any of you who may think differently. Here's what he's going to say. None is righteous. We struggle with that. We struggle with that because we go around and we compare ourselves to other people and we tend to lift ourselves up and think that we're better than others. Guess what? None is righteous. No, not one. But there's a lot of people who understand God. No one understands. But there's so many spiritual people out there who are seeking after God. No one seeks for God. Do you hear that? You have, a, you have an option this morning, ladies and gentlemen. You can either believe the Word of God or not. But what he is saying here is there is no one on their own that will seek God, that understands God, and there is no one who is righteous. All, verse 12, all. You know what that means in Greek? All. <laughs> all have turned aside. Together they have become What's it say? Useless or worthless. No one does good, not even one. When I asked you the question earlier, why you get to go in, listen carefully to my voice. In the providence of God, you are here this morning. Listen carefully. If you started to list off anything about good works, that you think you're a pretty good person, that you're not as bad as those people, you're not as bad as Hitler. You think, well, I try to help more people than I try to hurt, or I'm generally pretty kind. Here's what Scripture would say to you this morning. You have not done anything good. Absolutely nothing on your own. And so if you can do nothing good then you can't say to God, well, I think I should come in because of this. That ruins it. You're gone. There's no chance. No chance at all. But my mom said I was special. You are to her. And there is something unique, of course, of being made in the image of God, but that will not save you. No one does good, not even one. Verse 13, he's going to go into more detail in case you're not clear on what he's talking about. Their throat, and again, remember, this is to you, apart from Christ. Your throat is an open grave. Think about, picture that. Picture a grave. What is inside? 
stench of death. Your throat is an open grave. You use your tongues to deceive. If you look in your notes, I put in here Matthew 15, 10 through 20. Jesus talking about this, he says, And he called the people to them and said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. They're talking about things they should eat or not eat, what's going to make them unclean. It's but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him saying, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when you heard the saying? Oh, oh, somebody was offended by what Jesus said. Shocker. Especially religious people who think that they have good works. You will be offended by Jesus. He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Every person that's out there that has not truly been saved, they will be destroyed. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also without, still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes in the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the what? Heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, that does not defile anyone. What Jesus is explaining here is the reason that no one does good, no one is righteous. The reason is because our hearts are evil. And it's nothing that you're doing that's making you unclean. You are unclean. You're like, man, this is encouraging this morning. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. You can see this throughout all countries. You can see this with abortion. And just in case you think you get to escape this too, you can see this when we have hatred in our heart towards other people. It's the same as murder. In their paths are ruin and misery. Apart from Christ, your path, people who come in contact with you, they have ruin and misery. The way of peace they have not known. Apart from Christ, you will not have peace. You will not live in peace. There will always be issues. There will always be challenges. There will always be dissension and sin. And you will not have peace in your soul. Why? Because there is no fear of God before their eyes. Because they think... You think you are God, and you're in control, or that God does not exist. Do you think Paul made his point? I think he did. I think he made his point that we have no hope. We are utterly hopeless. He goes into verse 19 and says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable before God. You have the the law, the written law that's given to the Jewish people. They will be condemned by that. We talked about before in chapter 2, that those who have the moral law written on your heart, that condemns you. You will be condemned before God, and you will have to give an account, and you will be held accountable. We are a hopeless people. But he gets that to make the point in verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. What the law does is it's a mirror to show you that you need a Savior. 
The point of the law is not to save you. And so this is the, probably the clearest verse in all of Scripture. If somebody answers that question of why you think you can go to heaven, why you think you should get in any other way, this says you will not be justified in his sight by works of the law. It cannot happen. If you are here and you thought that in your mind, something else, some work that you've done, I do not believe you know the Lord because you have not understood what's coming. I only read that far, but I'm not going to leave you there. Aren't you thankful for that? Because <laughs> we are utterly hopeless. But then there's verse 21. Utterly hopeless, but here's 21. But now. You can either be a person who says, but wait, God, let me tell you more about what I've done. But wait, God, I've got more good things that I've done. Maybe you don't know all the ways I help people, God. You don't know that I stop my car and I take the turtle out of the road and I move it aside. God, you know that that's got to justify me before God, before you. But wait, God, no, no, no. You don't want to be that person. You want to be the person who says, but now. But now. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, it's not like it's completely separated. As Josh is going to teach you tonight how these things are connected. The, the prophets and the law, they're testifying about the Messiah, the promised one who would come, who could fulfill the law. The only one who's worthy to open the scroll, the same, that same one. Righteousness, the righteousness of God comes apart from the law, even though the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. You know what all means in the Greek? All. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you need to rejoice about this. If you are here and you are answering that question, well, I think I'm a pretty good person. I move the turtle, I do this and I do that. Listen carefully to me. This is your chance to cry out to God and say, I understand now. Righteousness does not come by anything that I do. No work whatsoever will save me. I cannot be justified. Except for faith in Jesus Christ. And it's faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know why it takes faith? you know why it's not works? Paul writes in Ephesians, so nobody else can boast. So you can't go around and give God a high five that you saved you with Him. He saves you, and then you spend eternity praising Him for His grace because you were hopeless. Utterly hopeless. But now hope-filled. Christian, you should be hope-filled. So what we're going to end with is we're actually going to go back up to those really terrible verses that we read through, and if you do not have Christ, they're still terrible for you. But for those of you who are hope-filled, let's read them again a little differently. Follow with me, starting in verse 10. In Christ, Christian, in Christ, you are righteous. <laughs> yeah, that's already better. Yes, you. You are able now by the Spirit to understand and you are able to seek after God. 
You can run to Him every morning. You can go to the Scriptures throughout the day. You can pray to Him. You are able to seek Him because He has pursued you first. You have, by the grace of God, not turned aside now, but you have repented and turned back to God. And you are valuable. You are not worthless. You are made worthy because of the blood of Christ. You are able to do good. Yes, all of you. Your throat no longer has to be an open grave that speaks death to everybody. You can speak life. You can use your tongue to speak truth. Your mouth can be full of blessings and thankfulness. Your feet can be swift to bring people to the blood of Christ and share the gospel with them. In your path, as you go throughout your days, as you are living on this earth, and oh Lord, help us to number our days that we may have wisdom. But as you walk this earth and as you follow your Lord, instead of ruin and misery, there can be abundance and joy for everybody who comes into contact with you. Oh, Christian, the way of peace is now known to you deep inside your soul. And you now have peace with God. There is a reverent, holy fear and love of God before your eyes because of the work of Jesus. Amen? That is where you are. So again, as we close, Christian, you rejoice. You be hope-filled realizing what He has saved you from and what He has saved you to. And again, if you are here and you answered that question any other way, do not leave here without crying out to him for his righteousness.